The date is Friday, January 8th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. In this inaugural episode of the new year, we'll delve into the topic of Saturday Night Live. We'll chronicle a brief history of the show and lay out our grand scheme to revive it to its former glory. Stopping along the way to acknowledge some of the household names whose careers have been launched by this variety skit show. So have a listen and enjoy. In a time of constant change in entertainment, only a couple of things have really bridged the gap of time. That being The Simpsons, Saturday Night Live, and Entertain This. So now sit back, relax, because live from our respected households, it's Entertain This! Woo! Woo Yeah! Season <laughs> 2, coming at you fast and rough, straight out of the gate in 2021. Guess what? We're here, bringing you some more entertainment. Your boys are back. It's a new year, new us, and we're back from our Christmas vacation. Guys, how was your vacations? Oh, boy. <laughs> it was a lot of the same, really, just not actually having to work. Oh, nice. Well, that's, that's yeah. not... It's not always a bad thing. All the fun, no, no work. Yeah, it turns out when there's a pandemic going on during Christmas, you, it, you're on vacation, but still can't really do anything. It's the sit-at-home game for me. That is kind of what it felt like. I mean, I know that I got some new games. It looks like, Nick, you may have gotten some new glasses. Is that true? Oh, that wasn't for Christmas, but yeah, sure. We can call it a Christmas present. They look nice. <laughs> you look more like a podcaster now. They're they're the, the kind of bigger, squarer glasses. Slightly offended, they do but okay. Look- they look nice. Hey, they look like my glasses is what I was getting at. <laughs> They're semi-remoist. You see this? Hmm? I do like them. I do Ooh. like them. They look good. They really frame your face. I'll throw on contra- contacts just to not look like you. You don't have to do that. Come on. <laughs> okay. So, guys, um, it being our first episode, I wanted to take some time and actually like write out notes for this episode. So that's what I did. I got eight pages here. On the topic of Saturday Night Live. You're turning into me. New year, new you. New year, new me. If you guys want to sit back and relax, I'll take us on a little journey. I'm going to walk us through the history of Saturday Night Live. It's going to be kind of in three parts. Um, It's going to kind of start as the history. Then we'll talk about the present and finally, I want to talk about the future of Saturday Night Live, or at least what we think the future could be. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Let's start off with a little uh, open forum, guys. Let's talk about Saturday Night Live. Well, real quick, before before we even get started with that, we should probably also explain why you are the one who is leading everything Gosh, today. look at you, keeping me honest. Uh, <laughs> what yeah. the heck, Alex? So as we kind of talked about in our last episode, our year-in-review episode, for the new year... We're switching things up a little bit. We're going to switch up our order. Uh, Some things may change. Um, We're definitely going to have brand new guests on this year. Uh, The first couple that we've lined up, I'm pretty excited about. Um, But more importantly, our order in which we're going to deliver episodes have changed. So I will be going first and starting out each month with a little taste of a little bit of Alex. Um, And then that's a Schitt's Creek reference. You're all welcome. I've well, you should watch it. It's an okay show, let's be honest. I've heard. Okay, listen. <laughs> I get it. You guys aren't... Listen, not the time, not the place. You guys aren't Caucasian moms, but it's pretty funny. Uh, I can tie it into... Give me give me a little bit... Give me like an hour, and at some point I'm going to tie Shit's Creek into Saturday Night Live. Good luck. Don't you worry about you it. You could, yeah. I can do it, I promise. Um, But, we're, yeah, I'm going to be starting uh, each month off with a little bit of Alex. 
And then following me, it's going to be Nick hitting up the middle of it. And then finally, uh, Michael will close us out before uh, our guest, which means Michael will also be doing the quick this on our guest episodes for the remainder of the year. And then come next year, we'll switch it up again. And then we'll probably go back to our original rotation. Uh, But that's like 150 episodes from now. So let's see what happens because, you know, who knows? Maybe one of us will get a like successful voice voice acting career by then or uh, invent the next Google or uh, you know be a whatever Nick wants to be <laughs> I have aspirations okay <laughs> okay I want to drive a train maybe you'll be a conductor by then. <laughs> who knows anything could happen but that also is a nice little segue into our uh, topic today because originally my my goals and aspirations um, were to become a writer on Saturday Night Live. Uh, something that I, I, I mean, I still have interest in doing, but man, to to wade the waters of adulthood, trying to find your way to that golden egg is a bit difficult, hmm. as you might imagine. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm happy to go ahead and inform you guys on Saturday Night Live, and maybe it'll get to the right person. I'll be like, this guy knows a lot about Saturday Night Live. He's got some ideas. Maybe I mean, we should. I'd hire you for what it's worth. Just hey, saying. Thanks. Uh, technically, you already did, and I hired you, and we hire each other every week. You know what? You just got a promotion. How about that? Entertain this. Okay. So, what am I promoted to? Uh, I don't know. Podcast executive, senior leader, person. Okay, you had me till you said person. Then it didn't ah, feel as, as real. <laughs> Manager. Anyway, that's what I meant to say. Let's get this. Let's get this party train a rolling, shall we? All right. So, as I kind of alluded in our intro, uh, invention and innovation have always been a forefront in American entertainment. From the invention of the radio, uh, with it, the radio dramas, and moving to the uh, motion pictures of the early 1920s that would later evolve into the talkies of the 1940s, technology has always been a foundation on how we spend our free time. And I think that that is just fact. We all know that. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. continually evolving medium has pushed our capitalistic society to greater heights, always trying to present the consumer with the next must-have in entertainment, and with it, has forced the creators within these mediums to involve with it or be left behind. Take, for instance, the slow death of Charlie Chaplin's career, his refusal to accept and evolve into an entertainment world where words once again told stories made his creations seem boring and, ironically, black and white. <laughs> The ever, thank you. I thought that was a good joke too. See, hire me Saturday <laughs> Night Live. You got a chortle. <laughs> the ever evolving world wanted more complex stories that drew from their emotions, at least for a time. Technology would once again change the world of entertainment when the invention of the TV would invade American households in the 1950s, with it bringing series with complex characters that would develop in front of the viewers' eyes. People were welcoming the likes of Lucille Ball and late-night TV host Johnny Carson into their homes, and more importantly, into their lives. These became the first, quote, household names. Mm -hmm. They were reliable and constant, but the ever-spinning wheels of the human brain crave change, and as it had from the beginning of entertainment, reliable and constant became boring, and we needed to find something else. Yeah, that seems Mm -hmm. to be like the ongoing story here. It's like... uh we as Americans get bored with like the new technology. The, the iPhone 20 won't cut it anymore after like five years. It's like, we need something new. We need something like, let's come on. 
we have like societal ADD in a way. Like one thing just isn't enough. We got to have the next greatest and the best thing ever. We kind of find ourselves in a place of uh, almost becoming apathetic to like the technology that we have presented to us. Like you never think about the fact that if you gave yourself from like the early to late 2000s, your cell phone now, you would be incredibly mind blown by the technology that you just have every day. But like I lose mine in in the bathroom sometimes. (laughs) Like this is something that I like most people could lose on a train because they just leave it behind because they don't I mean it's like a piece of paper, you know? Like yeah, I have it and I know what it does, so that's really all that matters. Yeah, I've got the 12 Pro or something and I have to go back and use Jade's like 7 sometimes and like that was me like 2 or 3 years ago. And like even now it's just kind of like oh. <laughs> oh. Right. God, why? So you can imagine kind of how it felt in this kind of boom of entertainment where people lived through the radio being the main thing and then these moving pictures being this crazy new thing. Getting bored of that, finding out you put the radio to the moving pictures and have talkies where like the characters are talking to you and stories are being told. (laughs) And then all that compressed into a tiny small box. I mean, the first TV was invented in the 1920s. It just didn't make its way into homes until the 1950s. Yeah, there was no way to broadcast from the actual station to your, you know, television box. Right. That was the main hurdle that they had to yeah, get over. you got to get all that infrastructure Right, up. and it, I mean, yeah, exactly. that pattern didn't change when the TV came along. It didn't stop the game. It wasn't the tell-all, be-all, uh, clearly, because still today we're watching stuff on our phones more often than anything else. And that's essentially just a small TV. Right. That you can carry in your pocket, and it's also connected to the internet and everything else in the entire world. Exactly. <laughs> So, sword. so changing with technology, uh, the National Broadcasting Company, also known as NBC for short, had already had 40 years under its very successful belt. Um, they had one of America's first TV stars in their pocket as Johnny Carson, as I mentioned before, performed most nights bringing Americans joy with his late night talk show, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Carson, which I'm sure is something that you guys have all uh, at least heard of. Or maybe even seen clips. Here's Johnny. Exactly. Um, So from 1965 until 1975, Johnny Carson would film new episodes for weeknights, but would rerun the old episodes from the week prior on Saturday nights. Uh, And that worked for a while. But eventually Carson kind of figured out that if he didn't run reruns on the weekends, he could run those same reruns on the weekdays and he could get more time off which uh, Carson, increasing in age by 1975, wanted as much time off as he could get. He didn't want to give up a show. He just, you know, wanted more time off. So he requested... Hell, I'm 26 and I want as much time off as I possibly can. Yeah, me too, exactly. I don't blame Johnny Carson at all. But this kind of act of wanting more time off, um, it forced NBC to find a new time gap or a new show to fill that time gap on Saturday nights at 1130 Mm -hmm. where usually they would uh, fill in with Johnny Carson reruns and I'm sure I've already alluded and hinted enough you guys can guess exactly the show that ended up filling that slot it's a a show on Saturday night is that correct who who knows Mm -hmm. right I believe it's performed live too it might be okay I think so. So NBC wanted an original program to fill the slot. So the head of the network 
Herb Schulzer, which I'm sure I mispronounce. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be mispronouncing a lot of names tonight, and you guys are just gonna have to stick with me. Um, it happens. So Herb Schulzer asked Dick Eberson Ebersol to help develop a new show, uh, and at the time, Ebersol, who was only 27, so one year older than you, Michael, only for another few days, and then you know, back at it we are, 27. Um, <laughs> Ebersol was uh, best known for being an executive producer for Major League Baseball and NBC and ABC's Wide World of Sports, which, you know, (laughs) doesn't sound like the kind of guy you want to be in charge of, uh, like, comedy segment. I mean, all his background was in sports, and if you look up his IMDb now, like, all he's done since this has been sports-related, a lot of ESPN work. Um. So the man of, of mostly sports publication, Ebersol knew little past airing and talking about sports. Uh, so he knew that he needed another man for the job. Enter uh, Lorne Michaels. He was a hmm. 30-year-old Canadian comedian. Does that name sound familiar, Nick? It, yes, but I'm not sure why. Oh, well, I, I'm sure that you'll find out here just in a second. So He, he makes those little cookies, right? <laughs> Lorna, Lorna, you think he makes cookies? He could. I, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, he probably there. does, but I don't think that's what he's most famous for. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Lorne Michaels had just moved from Toronto because Canada has all the best comedy writers uh, to Los Angeles to work as a writer, as many comedians do, on a show called Rowan and Martin's Laugh-In a show that in many ways resembled what would later be SNL. It was a comedy sketch show, the first of its kind, in fact, and it ran for 140 episodes before concluding in 1973, when he stopped writing on it. Hmm. So maybe uh, maybe it wasn't a coincidence then that Ebersol and Lorne met only two years later, and they would conceptualize and pitch a show for TV to fill that NBC slot consisting of a group of comedians doing weekly sketches accompanied by a musical guest of some sort. And I guess you guys could uh, tell me what they ended up calling that show. Uh, Go ahead. Take a swing. Live, live Sunday morning. Okay. Try again. Give me, come on, Um, come on. What do you think it is? We're going to stick with this till this bit plays out. uh, Weekend, weekend night entertainment. Bernie's. No, that's not it. (laughs) <laughs> no seriously Saturday Night Live Saturday Night, Night on, Live man. actually no that name was already taken uh, so ABC had... oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's right we're playing the bit out so ABC had launched a show earlier that same year called Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell um, so for the first season of the show SNL was actually known as NBC's Saturday Night uh, but I'm guessing hmm. you guys aren't very familiar with Howard Cosell uh, because he got canned about 18 episodes later. 18 whole Oof. episodes, and ABC decided that Saturday Night Live with Howard Cosell wasn't going to make it. So uh, NBC swooped in, and the official SNL was born, somewhere around season two of the actual show. But we're we're moving ahead too fast. We haven't even talked about uh, the cast, the original cast of the very first mm. season of SNL. So the original cast of the newly named show was known as the Not Ready for Prime Time Players, 
which is oh such an excellent name for these people. It really and they're is. still known as that today, the not ready for prime time players. So Well, so the cast the cast in like Saturday Night Live is a really big oh, yeah. deal to the show. Because they're the people who like who help write and who help and who actually perform and are the faces of SNL. Absolutely. It it totally comes down to how in it the players are. If the players aren't in it, then the yeah, show doesn't and, work. And one could think that like the entire like quality of SNL over the years can be directly correlated to who the current cast is. Yeah, and is. we're definitely going to get into that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the original cast consisted of Dan Aykroyd of mm. Ghostbusters mm. fame, uh, John mm-hmm. Belushi, who is like one of the mm. famous uh, SNL cast members, uh, known yep. at, yeah. for him and Dan Aykroyd together, they made what was known as the Blues Brothers, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, giant, giant name. Uh, Chevy Chase, of course, was a uh, first seasoner. Uh, Jane Curtin, uh, Garrett Morris, Lorraine Newman, and Gilda Radner. Gilda Radner is the wife of uh, Willy Wonka himself, uh, Gene Wilder. Mm, yeah. They are they're very famously in love, and I believe that um, there was a pretty popular uh, documentary that came out about Gilda Radner uh, in recent time. Not one that I've seen, but definitely one that I've heard about. So I'll have to look more into that. So Nick, here's a uh, here's a fun fact for you. Well, I, first off, those names, of course, some of them ring bells. But where do you know some of those people from? Um. What's that one Christmas uh, movie with with Chevy Chase in it? That is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yep, I know him from that. Mm. Um, I know John Belushi from Animal House. Yep. Um, Huh. I guess that's all I know for now. (laughs) Dan Aykroyd from Ghostbusters. I mean, how can you pass that up? I know Dan Aykroyd strictly. I know him from Ghostbusters, but also his vodka line, Alien Head Vodka. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Those commercials were wild. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's it's even crazier to think that he like actually believes all that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. So here's another fun fact for you guys. Um, Michael O'Donohue. Does that sound familiar? Michael O'Donoghue. Yeah, I'm looking at the name, and that 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 is correctly how Great. to say that. So he was actually a uh, major contributor to a magazine known as National Lampoon Magazine, um, oh. which was the magazine that sponsored all of the Christmas vacation or uh, family vacations, like all of those uh, Animal House, yeah, all of yeah, those yeah. big movies that ended up coming out of this time period and kind of began the pattern of SNL movies, which I talked about uh, in my last episode I hosted on Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's talk about the very first episode of SNL that ever came out. Uh, Nick, this is going to be a fun fact for you because the very first guest host uh, of SNL was George Carlin. George Carlin. That's right. Yep. Yeah. George Carlin, famous uh, in Entertain This History as being one of the main guys we talked about in our Dark Humor episode. Hosted by Nick. Um, he ended up guest hosting on SNL a number of other times past that. Well, so from what I'm reading, the show originally opened with a um, ro- a rotating uh, like rotating guests mm-hmm. that would come in and out. And it, it's really good because it's Richard Pryor, 
George Carlin, oh, and Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Oh, geez. Three absolute fucking oh, legends. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, it. it's no wonder because this show was on, like, in every household in America at the time. If you were on this show, like, your mm-hmm. name got out there. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why uh, it became such a, like, launching pad for pe- people's careers. But we'll go through kind of most of the people who were on this show, if not all. Uh, and mm-hmm. that, that'll become clearly evident. Um, so the original show aired on October 11th, 1975. And as I said, it was hosted by George Carlin, but it included, uh, some legendary skits, uh, most important to me being Andy Kaufman's segment consisting of him playing the Mighty Mouse theme on a record player. A lot of people, uh, know that from the, uh, biopic movie, I'm going to say. It wasn't like a documentary, mm-hmm. but it's called Man on the Moon, where Jim Carrey plays Andy Kaufman, uh, and it's pretty famous. It's actually something that uh, later on, probably this year, I'm going to do an episode on um, the making of that film, which is originally... A little bit of foreshadowing there. <laughs> Sorry, you got me. I'm, wa- I'm, I'm, I'm watching some skits now. Uh, well, though I never knew that the two wild and crazy wild guys, and crazy the, guys, two wild and crazy guys. Yeah, that's an SNL original, baby. <laughs> Fucking Dan Aykroyd and uh, Steve, Steve Martin. Martin. Yeah, that, that's season one or two. That's definitely in the in the first generation of SNL. Yeah. So, uh, season one of the show, uh, we saw, of course, the return of Andy Kaufman. Um, some work by the famous Jim Henson. Originally, the Muppets were an SNL skit, an SNL original. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so SNL has brought a lot to the American uh, pop culture. Uh, the first appearance of the Blues Brothers, which I mentioned, they had guest stars such as ABBA. Uh, Paul Simon even hosted for an episode. Uh, all had kind of launched completely without a uh, hitch for SNL. And it was skyrocketing, not only as a project, but also skyrocketing the careers of many of the players uh, whom had really just been picked off the street doing comedy acts in New York bars um, and at Second Street Players in uh, Canada, which is this like pretty famous improv uh, act out of Canada. But that's where a lot of the uh, main cast came from. Because like I said, Canada has just like the best comedy for some reason. I don't know why. But Saturday Night Live was becoming a career launcher, uh, obviously. So mm-hmm. one year after um, after making the show, Chevy Chase left because he was finding success in movies such as Family Vacation. Uh, because they were easy hits that had uh, surefire comedy star star power that everyone knew from SNL, so everyone was going out to see them uh, to take his. Yeah, if he if if I remember, right, he also had some like internal fallings out. Uh, yeah, with with the other cast members, that was not. You would pretty. not believe how little all of the negative yeah. shit <laughs> that happened on SNL is mentioned in the research that I've done. <laughs> they have done an excellent <laughs> job covering up all of that shit. Uh, maybe uh, that's yeah. a beef. Maybe that's another episode called uh, Where, "Where's maybe. the Beef" in Saturday Night Live. Yeah. <laughs> where's Where's the Beef? Media cover up. This is This is just a quick overview of an SNL. Maybe we'll do another episode going into all of that SNL cover ups. There's so much here. Oh yeah, there's beef. there's a lot. Uh, so as I was saying, Chevy Chase took his leave, and to take his place, we saw another name enter the players: Bill Murray. Mm. Ooh. Well, kind of. Bill Bill Murray oh, yeah. actually came to replace an injured Jim Belushi, but 
the spot stayed open after uh, because Chevy Chase was out of there. Uh, so season two also saw the creation of Mr. Bill, the famous clay man. You guys remember? I'm Mr. Bill. And then you get like smashed. <laughs> Mr. Bill is a pretty famous skit. Uh, Nick seems lost. Our little our little doughboy over there. Don't know nothing about nothing. <laughs> Give you a shrug. Yeah. Uh, this is also when Bill Murray publicly admitted that he said, and I quote, I don't think I'm going to make it on this show live on TV. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. But, you know, that's the fun of live TV and, you know, all the all the mess ups that go out, you know, you can't stop yep. it. Uh, that's what kind of makes the magic formula. The show advertised that it was live, you know, uh, they were meant to, like, mm-hmm. make mistakes and those mistakes were aired. It made the players seem human and kept the audience on their toes. More importantly, it meant that SNL evolved with the world and the humor around it. Uh, it was a mm-hmm. huge success for the next five seasons uh, based solely on that. The fact that constantly every Saturday night, the news lines were changing and thus so were the acts. Uh, the world was changing and the comedy kind of followed with it. I mean, five seasons is no laughing matter for a show to be successful. It wasn't until, you know, the network got greedy, as they often do, that things started kind of falling apart. We saw an end to the first generation of SNL as its progenitor left. Michaels, along with several cast members, were exhausted from the show's production schedule by the end of season five. And Michaels was worried that the quality of the show might suffer. So he asked the NBC executives to put the show on hiatus in order to give the actors a break, uh, but NBC denied his request. They're like, nope, you're not getting a break. You're going to keep making them. So Michaels walked out, and he quit, along with the rest of the cast, everybody else on the show. Oof. So NBC chose SNL's associate producer, uh, this is going to be a hard one, Gene Domanian? We'll say that. Sure. I'm sure. Yeah, uh, you got it. So she yeah. was going to take Michael's place. Don't worry. She's not around long enough for me to actually learn how to say her name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she she took over on the sixth season of the show. And during her time, the show went very poorly. Uh, the season started late. The cast was not well received by the show's fans. And their performances and their material received negative reviews. The cast being <laughs> Denny Dillon. Tell me if you know any of these names. Well, you're going to know a couple of them. Denny Dillon, mm-hmm. Gilbert Gottfried, hey, yeah, man. our boy, uh, mm-hmm. Gail Mathias, Eddie Murphy, Joe Piscopo, yep. Anna Riesley, and Charles Rocket. So two of those names are familiar. Yeah. <laughs> the rest are a flash in the pan. Exactly. Um, in casting them, she passed on such unknown, quote-unquote, performers as Jim Carrey, uh, John Goodman, mm both passed on SNL and Paul Rubens Oof. known for his Pee Wee Herman uh, character that he would later. <laughs> yeah. Play. Wow. Those are, Jeez. those are people who did not make it on SNL because of her. Uh, you know, definitely some swings and misses there. <laughs> Missing out. Yeah, for sure. So on February 21st of 1981, the show featured a parody called, uh, or a parody of who shot J.R. Ewing. Um, It was an episode from the TV show Dallas, which I think our generation really only knows from The Office, where they play a board game, um, and they go, that's Dallas. 
because they keep like stealing each other's <laughs> cards and like uh, cheating at the game and making up their own rules. And uh, if you guys don't know, I some do some declare. Some, uh, some some Office fans out there will really like that. Uh, but we mostly know it from that. But there was this big like who shot Cr Ewing, and that was like the cliffhanger of uh, this like big series that everybody was watching. Um, they all wanted to watch the next season to figure out who was the guy who shot this main character. So in classic SNL form, um, they ended up parodying it. And instead of uh, J.R. Ewing, they said, who shot C.R., um, referring to the cast member Charles Rocket, who was shot in the last sketch of the episode. After a running gag in which other members of the cast shared their grievances about Charles Rocket to one another. Uh, on stage for the good nights, Dallas Star and that week's host, uh, Charlene Tilton, asked Charles Rocket, who was still in character and sitting in the wheelchair. He literally did not break character from the last sketch in which he had gotten shot. Um, who he thought, or like what, what his thoughts were on being shot. Uh, and he said, and I quote, oh man, it's the first time I've been shot in my life. I'd like to know who the fuck did it. <laughs> kind of in reference to like, it'd be nice if we didn't leave people hanging for the next season and like a shot at uh, Dallas. Yeah. And you know, this wouldn't be the first or the last time that the expletive would be uttered on live SNL. Um, but Charles Rocket's line unknowing to him would be the final straw that caused him and everyone else to be dismissed. The, the, uh, the board did not like it. You cannot mm -hmm. say the F word live on TV, especially not in the 80s. Now, two, two people were saved from this, Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo. Um, they were not dismissed uh, because, in, in the nicest way I can say it, SNL needed an ethnic person. According to the board who was in charge of the show. And so they kept Eddie Murphy. Um, Joe Piscopo was saved because they just liked him. Uh, but the next... Well, so part part of it is also that, like, Eddie Murphy was really the only one that was really holding the show together at that point, too. Well, that's kind of what they want you to believe. There are technically two different types of players in SNL. There is, of course, like, your regular show players um known as the featured players but then there are repertory mm -hmm. players as well which are kind of the ones who fall more in the background and aren't really featured in many of the uh skits or usually don't have their own like standalone gotcha. skits uh this was developed this season what we're talking about now um and eddie murphy and joe Piscopo were the featured players everybody else were repertory players and that that gotcha. kind of burned a lot of bridges that maybe it shouldn't have uh because yeah. people were just upset that they weren't you know like being appreciated for what they were doing gotcha so what you're saying is it was almost like a manufactured form of like eddie murphy being the one to really yeah so it wasn't it. not not to discount how great of a comedian he actually yeah is. i mean he's great so basically eddie murphy wasn't the front man because the audience wanted it he was the front man because the producers wanted it and made the American people believe that he was the front man. Gotcha. Okay. So that's that that's kind of how it was. 
Works so out. the next show would be uh, Gene's last episode. And the producers are quoted in saying the woman was a train wreck. Even NBC president and CEO Fred Silverman uh, said that the show was not watchable under her. And, you know, maybe that has to do something with it being the 1980s and there not being a whole lot of representation for women at the time or like maybe not a lot of confidence in the fact that a woman could be a showrunner, especially for a show this big. Uh, But one season doesn't feel like a fair chance to me especially when you're considering like the like the follow-up aspect of it like how do you follow up like like the legends that came right before that right like it's an entire cast full of recognizable names versus eddie murphy and etc right (laughs) so this kind of this generation of the show continued on past her um as nbc brought the other man responsible for the conceptualization of the show, Dick Ebersole, uh, back to act now instead of producer as showrunner. Um, but, you know, he was a sports guy, as we got into mm-hmm. before. He knew that he couldn't be a showrunner on the show because his job wasn't being funny. It was, you know, reporting or getting news information, getting accurate news information, stuff like that. Um, so Ebersole attempted to uh, kind of renovate the show with different format changes um the Mm -hmm. open sketch was removed from season seven like the the very first opening one that is uh, so famous to snl history you know where they end it with live from new york it's saturday night that's how like the Mm -hmm. the skits always end he took that out of the show um but you know the public constantly involved in their own entertainment demanded they bring it back which they did um that was season seven by the way Their segment, Weekend Update, was renamed Saturday Night News, which, again, did not stay because people (laughs) just liked what it was already named. Um, But Ebersole's tactic was more to showcase, as we talked about before, we kind of uh, jumped jumped the gun here, but Eddie Murphy and Pistacopo and treat the other cast members as merely supporting cast. This is Ah, his idea. This is the first time that they've done something like this. Um, And, you know, as I said... Uh, the cast and crew weren't happy with Eddie Murphy and Pistacopo uh, taking all the credit. That wasn't what they wanted. Like all the past, like the entire cast was uh, celebrated equally for all the work that they did on the show. Um, the tensions remained between them until season nine, when Eddie Murphy left the show mid-season. Uh, Pistacopo also left the show at the end of the season because he was unhappy with the direction of the show. So you can kind of see this, like, golden egg that NBC had uh, start to crack. Yeah. Yeah, what do you do without, like, your two main characters? Right. (laughs) Mid-season, nonetheless. Exactly. Like, if those two are gone, then what are you going to do? So at the end of season 10, they did a whole other season without those two. Ebersole asked also that NBC management put the show on hiatus and move towards a pre-taped content instead of it being live, which, you know, Hmm. kind of wastes the name. But (laughs) NBC denied both his requests. They were like, no, you're not going on hiatus, and no, you're not going to pre-tape the stuff. It's going to be live. That's what does it. So, you know, on one hand, they made a good call. On the other hand, they made a bad call. Um, As a result, Ebersole walked away from the show. He said, I'm done too. So now they lost both of the guys who made this show. 
As NBC looked to the future, they saw no way for SNL to continue without the men who created it. So NBC decided to cancel the show. But in hearing that they were going to cancel their show, that actually kind of opened the door for Lorne Michaels' return. Mm-hmm. The guy who ran the show for the first five seasons. Um, and he basically was handed a old rundown version of his creation and told like, hey, rebuild this. So Michaels put together an all new cast with established guest stars like uh, Randy Quaid, Anthony Michael Hall, Joan Cusack, famous sister of John Cusack. Their parents mm-hmm. weren't very creative with their namings. Um, <laughs> Joan and John, that's great. Not to mention Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. And, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. was on SNL. For a year. For a year. <laughs> so, you know, a little bit longer than uh, than our, 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 our Groundhog's Day boy, uh, Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. But Robert Downey Jr. was on SNL. That was something that surprised me. Um, he also changed the title of the news segment back to Weekend Update. Uh, so mm. that so it stopped being Saturday Night News because that was stupid and it made it sound way more serious than it was supposed to be. Yeah. But no matter what he did, season 11 went poorly and almost all of the cast left the show at the end of the season. So they lost everyone they had. Mm-hmm. Again? Again. The only actors to remain were Dennis Miller, John Lovett, and Nora Dunn. All names that uh, probably don't ring a bell right at the tip of your mind, but if you did some research, you'd recognize him. So Michael's being smart and having done this before decided that what he needed to do was seek out new talent, just like the original founding of the show. Um, and he ended up finding several cast members uh, who included Dana Carvey, uh, Victoria Jackson, Kevin Nealon, Mike Myers is a big one. Hey. Uh, Rob Schneider was brought on. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Rock. Adam Sandler, this is when Adam Sandler enters the picture, uh, and Tim Meadows. So those were the people who he brought on to replace them, and he saw some pretty some pretty good success with them. Yeah, some other up. just absolutely legendary names. Right. This is when SNL kind of uh, inserted itself into 90s culture and became, I think, when we were growing up, what we thought SNL was, was, yeah. was this cast of people who kind of, like, ran the business, you know, and ended up all becoming super successful. Well, like, I'm sure at this point, too, they could have had the, like, the, the, their own prime selection because of how SNL had launched the careers of previous cast members. Yeah. Like, there, at this point, there is that level of exclusivity and, like, prestige that comes with being on SNL. Granted, the year before didn't go so well. Right. The, <laughs> well, it, at this point, I mean, we're talking about they're on season eleven. It, it had been six seasons that went just to the shitter. Like, that's fair. Six seasons. Hmm. I'm sure that it that he had to kind of find original talent. He had to go yeah. out and find people who just wanted to be on TV because uh, at this point, well-known people didn't want on the project. Well, and it was like, as far as I understand it, it was like. Because that was how Billy Crystal, at least as far as I know, came into play. Like he was a well-known name already mm-hmm. from his like involvement in other series on TV, right? And like, but it was just too fucking expensive. Yeah. 
Exactly. Because that's that's kind of like what they relied on with the first with the the low uh, the low the not well known uh, cast members. The, the like, B hey, list. Mm-hmm. The B list yeah, cast you get, members. You can get paid like your B list. Right. You'll get paid like your B list and be on TV for everyone to see you. And that's a pretty mm-hmm. good deal. Um, so the show's 13th season saw a lot of changes. Uh, there was a fire near Studio 8H, which is where SNL is uh, is filmed, uh, and a writer's strike, both of which resulted in cutting the season short. So lucky number 13 ended up being pretty unlucky as per usual. Uh, it's probably the reason why they skip that floor when they're doing architecture and stuff like that. 13 is just not a lucky number. It's true. <laughs> the show began to decline after several seasons, and Michaels admitted that season 20 was the closest SNL had ever come to being canceled. Uh, but he, you know, stuck through. But season 20, he said, that's that's probably as, as close as we got because most of the cast and writers at that point were let go. Um, mm. And that's when we see an end to... Uh, you know, Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Mike Myers, Rob Schneider, all those people. Yeah. That's that's kind of where they uh where they go. The only cast members that remained from season twenty um were Mark McKinney, Tim Meadows, David Spade, Norm McDonald, and Molly Shannon. All names that are pretty recognizable. Um it yeah. was also in this that Chris Farley had his run on the show and then mm-hmm. uh unfortunately passed away. Um but I mean, you kind of knew that because Adam Sandler is big into like Chris Farley and all that right. stuff. Oh, but like even with his short stint, he added some of the most memorable skits. Oh yeah, some of. And I was gonna ask, but like, do you guys have a favorite SNL skit? Because mine is uh, "Down by the River." I live in a van down yeah. by the river. <laughs> that is my favorite <laughs> SNL skit. So the series that introduced me to SNL was so I had never like I I was a sheltered kid. I didn't really see a lot of stuff that could have been seen as like vulgar. Yeah. Um my first exposure was with the uh celebrity Jeopardy skits. Oh, those are all really <laughs> yeah. great too. Oh yeah. Those are good. <laughs> it was that and then more cowbell as well. Yeah, that's actually, so that's the 22nd to the 24th season that we see people like Tracy Morgan, Jimmy Fallon, Chris Parnell, uh, Rachel Mm -hmm. Dratch, and Maya Rudolph all join as cast members. Um, Yeah, and Will Ferrell, I think, is well around that time, too. Yeah, Will Ferrell was season 26. Okay, okay. Uh, So these are all people that were still around when he came on, too. Yeah, so that's actually, so that's when uh, Tina Fey joined on as well. Yes. (laughs) Tina Fey is so good. Household names. Yeah, yeah. Tina. So, God, there's so many, so many people yeah. that are just easily recognizable names. This that is just like came right out of it. This is like the late '90s, early 2000s. Uh, Tina Fey was added as a cast member for season 26. She joined Jimmy Fallon on the Weekend Update. Mm. Jimmy Fallon was, like I said, season 22, 24. Um, and he's he's the epitome of like the live. Like making the actor seem human. Yeah, I hate him, but we can get into <laughs> yeah, that later. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I absolutely <laughs> hated him on Saturday Night Live. I think that he's yeah. terrible, and I don't like him on his current talk show. I don't care for him. I know that he's like America's sweetheart or whatever, but God damn it, do one skit where you don't laugh and ruin it. He ruined the cowbell yeah. skit. Like he one did. of the most famous skits in freaking the entire SNL history. Like I went back and rewatched it, and I was like, this would have been better if this guy wasn't on it. So yeah. 
It's because he laughs and slams the desk, right? Is that the thing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he does stuff like that or, like, turns around and laughs all the way through skits. Anyway, um, (laughs) actors who joined the SNL family during the kind of Tina Fey era included Seth Meyers, Amy Poehler, Mm. uh, Fred Armisen, Will Forte, uh, Kenan Thompson, who actually grew up on a kind of SNL spinoff for kids called all that he was on all that that. we didn't forget keenan don't act like we forgot we didn't we're gonna hold it over your head forever um (laughs) and i mean snl had a number of shows that uh kind of spun off this is going off script but it's something i want to talk about um that snl kind of inspired other shows like mad tv mad tv Mm -hmm. was like a direct competitor but like mad tv kind of got left in the dust after the 90s Hey, but it was still on Comedy Central all the way up until, like, the 2010s. That is true. I remember watching it. Uh, I remember staying home from school, turning on Comedy Central, and it would just be Mad TV reruns all day. Yeah, and there was, like, the... (laughs) It it became, like, an Xbox versus Sony argument over which was better, Saturday Night Live or Mad TV. Uh, But Mad TV wasn't live. It was was pre-recorded. Yeah. So they weren't really, like, on the same level. But... Uh, coming from that as well was like all that for kids and as recent as um, Disney making Sunny with a Chance if you guys remember that had Demi Lovato yeah, in it I do. the show that she was on in the show called So Random was actually an SNL spinoff um, yeah the Amanda Ooh, show we'll is another one cringe. that kind of jumps on top of that there's also a really important one in In Living Color as oh well. yes In Living Color mm-hmm. that actually picked up uh, Jim Carrey when SNL told them yeah. no uh, but that was kind of the opposite of SNL, where SNL well, thought that they could be like an all Caucasian cast with one person of uh, ethnic background and living color. Basically, did the opposite. Yeah, and like that's where like Chris Rock wanted to go too. It was yep. like, but then here and here's our Shit's Creek tie-in. Uh, so after uh, in 1976, after the success of Saturday Night Live, uh, they wanted to create a similar TV show in Canada. Mm -hmm. And they created it called SCTV. Um, And that the original cast had both uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara on it. The two two of the stars of Schitt's Creek. Here's where Uh, I was going to tie it in. Along with John Candy. Oh, yeah. John Candy as well was on there. Uh, They actually do a lot of movies, all of them together, uh, such as Waiting for Guffman was a really good one that that kind of group did. Um, And, you know, amongst others. Uh, But... Catherine O'Hara was originally going to be on SNL. Yeah. Um, but before they aired any episodes with her, she actually pulled out of it um, because she didn't like how people were being treated on set. Uh, yeah. More importantly, by a man who we've mentioned before, uh, Matthew, o- or sorry, Michael O'Donohue. Uh, mm-hmm. He came on and was like, there was one day where he came on and was like yelling at the entire cast and telling them they were all garbage. And Catherine yeah. O'Hara was like, you know what? Yeah, this isn't for me. You guys, <laughs> I can don't go, need this shit. You guys can yeah. politely go fuck yourselves. And there, there really was like a long history of different situations very similarly to that throughout the earlier history of SNL, which is very unfortunate. But I mean, hey, we ended up where we ended up. We ended up with, I mean. Arguably, some of the best seasons were ones where it seemed like nobody was getting along. Uh, yeah. Offset, just because they were all trying to, like, one-up each other. Yeah. But, yeah, so I told you there would be a Shit's Creek tie-in. Thank you, Michael, for helping me get there. <laughs> also, if you guys haven't seen Waiting for Guffman, you should go watch it, because it's freaking hilarious. Mm-hmm. It's like a mockumentary about uh, theater. 
about uh, local theater. <laughs> it's great. It's it's pretty awesome. So um, after the kind of what I'm calling the Tina Fey generation, um, which uh, I don't think I actually made it through the full list of. I stopped at Keenan Thompson because we talked about because mm-hmm. we talked about yeah. all that, <laughs> all that. Uh, but it also awesome. it also included names like Bill Hader, Andy Samberg from The Lonely Island. Uh, yep. mm-hmm. Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis. Nope. Jason Sudeikis. That's what I said. Yep. Um, <laughs> hey, why do you spell your name so weird, bud? Hey, why do you spell your name like that, bro? I know you got to pick it. Anyway, um, <laughs> the actors who left the show on the on this kind of era were Jimmy Fallon. Ended up uh, piecing out at that point. Molly good. Shannon got out of there. Yeah, good. Right. Bye, Jimmy. Um, Will Ferrell. <laughs> Rachel Dratch, Tina Fey all left. Chris Parnell, Tracy Morgan ended up leaving then. Yeah. Um, among others, they all kind of got out of there. So SNL's 29th season debuted a new set uh, that was based on the Grand Central Station in New York, um, which is what they still use today. That's just a little fun mm-hmm. fact for you guys. Um, SNL's 32nd season began with a massive budget cut that resulted in the dismissal of Parnell and Sands, two people who had been on the show for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and that was before the show even started the season, so they were kicked out of there. Um, several actors were added to the SNL family, including Casey Wilson, a bunch of other names that really you don't know, uh, mm-hmm. excluding Jenny Slate was added in, um, which is a pretty familiar name at this point. Uh, but at that point, we also saw the departure of, and this is like late, 2010s uh that kind of era uh maya rudolph left amy poehler left uh will forte left andy sandberg left uh bill Hader left basically if you wanted to know the last time that i thought snl was good it ended right now (laughs) the 32nd season was when it kind of went to shit Um, yeah and it's like one of the last like successful recurring uh recurring segments they had was when they had Seth Meyers doing the uh the weekend update. Yeah, the weekend then, hey, update with He his was character. way too fucking good at it, so they turned it into an entire TV show. They turned it right. And he actually did that with Bill Hader as his yeah. uh guest star. And that's actually when oh um <laughs> that's when uh what's the comedian's name? He does New in Town. He just had he was just in the news now I can't remember it. It's John Mulaney. It's John, John Mulaney. Mulaney. Oh I'm talking wait, about John Mulaney. Isn't on here. John that Mulaney boy. John Mulaney was a writer. Really? Okay. On SNL during this era. Actually, that fits. That fits. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He talks about it in his stand-up. His, uh, you can't say midget on TV. He says, I sure would like to. <laughs> He's talking about SNL. SNL wouldn't yeah. let him say midget on TV. They said, hmm. they said, if you say midget on TV, there will be a riot of little people outside of our studio. And he said, you promise? Because <laughs> that's something I'd like to see. <laughs> And that's a line you use all the time. <laughs> yeah. You promise? <laughs> you promise? <laughs> no. Exactly. So, oh, my God. There were a couple of other things that happened, uh, but we're mostly caught up. Um, that was a considerable amount of the history, and clearly the show has been through some ups and downs. But now let's talk about the present. Present day SNL. What do you guys know? about SNL. I hate it. I hate it. You hate <laughs> okay. it? It's not it's not good. Okay. Name name one person on SNL you know now. Go. Keenan Thompson. 
Keenan Thompson, who is still on it from before, but you know he's fine. Um, but name a name a different person. Jim Carrey, maybe. He's not mm, on SNL. Kind of, kind he was, of. He was a guest star one time. Now, well, now he's, he's a retu- recurring. Now he's character recurring. He's playing like, yeah. Joe Biden, isn't he? Okay, yeah, yeah. that's how I know. I I keep thinking Kristen Wiig is a current member, but she's not. She's not. Isn't that funny that you I, can't think of anyone other than Keenan Thompson? Well, okay, so Keenan. I know I know what some of these other ones look like, but I don't know their names. So yeah, I'll tell have... you the one other person who I know is Pete Davidson. Yes, him. But um, the only reason that I know Pete Davidson is because he dated Ariana Grande, or I would not know his name. Hmm. I know him also because he got a lot of shit because he has Crohn's. Uh, and people bullied him because he looked like he was always tired. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that I was a thing. I just uh, thought he did a cool. lot of did a lot of drugs because he openly admitted to doing a lot of drugs. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody on SNL does a lot of drugs. It'll let's make just, you tired. Let's just get oh, that. Oh, uh, 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 Kate McKinnon. Kate McKinnon is another one. She's the one who plays uh, Elizabeth Warren and all the political ones. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and she's actually I find her to be pretty funny. That's my problem with SNL nowadays. It seems like everything that actually makes it into my own little news bubble is political stuff. Right. Now, like, I get it. The political environment's right. kind of funny, but at the same time, you don't need to like, hey, guys, we're so smug about it. Let's make fun of all the people that are on the TV making political well, statements. Oh. It's it's because their entire shtick now is basically, ha, 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 it's so true. That yeah, is it's exactly like, dude, right. I get it. Okay, you don't need to bring it up again. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk about SNL's problem. Uh, this is, I, you guys know that the whole reason I want to talk about this, this is a big lead up to me being able to yell about something. So yeah. SNL oh, has a very bad problem. And that problem is, is that their comedy now exists in a bubble of this is so true. This is what life is like. This is so relatable. It's funny. Where that isn't what SNL was before. It was, this is so ridiculous. This is so crazy. Uh, This is so outlandish that it's hilarious because this is what we think of the people we're making fun of. Like, when we make fun of them, this is how we make fun of them. Uh, Like the cheerleader skit that Will Ferrell was famous for. Um, Or the, like, nerd skit with the girl who sniffed her, like, hands after rubbing them in her armpits. Like, all of those. Uh, Or there was a famous skit with Andy Samberg where he was teaching pedophiles how to use MySpace. And, like, was trying to figure out why this guy wanted to call himself uh, Chad 1991 when he was actually named Philip and he was born in 1969. Um, Or the entire Lonely Island bit. Right. The the entirety of Lonely Island all kind of consisted of stuff like that. SNL doesn't take those risks anymore because they have become a formula, a, a formula comedy kind of troupe. They know what was funny, and they stick to those guidelines. There's a box that SNL has placed itself in. I think that's one of the main problems with the show now. Um, one of the main things about SNL that I hate is the cue cards. SNL hmm. is now famous. If you see any SNL skit from recent time, famous for their cue cards. The characters don't look at each other anymore. Now they all look off stage as they're performing because they're reading off of cue cards because they didn't write these skits. They weren't a part of writing these skits. They maybe read these skits once or twice, but these aren't their skits. These are a writer room skits and they get paid to perform them. And they know Mm. that that's 
what they're there for. It's one of the reasons why none of the SNL players right now are household names or really have like any interest in your mind right now. To be fair, to be fair, there have always been external writers outside of the cast. Yes, but, but the cast there has also never been, helped them. Yes, there has never been this heavy of a reliance on them. Yeah. The SNL cast nowadays, they don't want to take the risk of being responsible for a skit. If it goes sideways, they want to be able to blame the writer because we kind of live in a world that if the wrong thing is said, your entire career could end in a blink like that. Um, another thing that is kind of causing the slow decline of SNL is the fact that we're not watching live TV anymore. That's just... It's, I, that, it's, it's not as polarizing of a gimmick. Exactly. I mean, it's... That, that's why I kind of started out this entire episode with explaining that entertainment has always been an industry where the next thing is what we're focused on. And if you don't evolve into that, you die out. And that's yep. kind of what's happening to SNL. I mean, we kind of live in a world, at least our generation, that focuses more on streaming than live events. Ironically, the only live events that really catch people's attention nowadays are the sporting events. Um which half the team of creators at SNL, that's what their entire job became was worrying about these live sporting events. Um, well, and arguably, arguably we consume more live media nowadays than we ever did before. I am going, like I'm going to get to that. I do okay, have a very okay. good point on that. Yeah. And if I may just poke two holes in your argument here, go ahead. Uh, not, not the really holes. I guess they're pinpricks. I'm just going to be a prick. How about that? Go ahead. Um, there's the, <laughs> Nothing Maybe not the problem with SNL is that I love you. our current environment in 2021, I guess we're in now, is so bizarre that to lampoon it and make it more bizarre than it already is would just be too bizarre. Yeah, that's the famous uh, South Park dilemma is that South Park said yeah. that they don't know if they can keep making the show because the South Park world cannot be more insane than the world we're living in. <laughs> Things are getting pretty wild. <laughs> when they didn't, yeah. yeah, when they didn't predict that Donald Trump was going to be president, the showrunners at uh, South Park basically were like, hey, we don't know if we can keep going. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting too wacky, guys. I got to shut it down. Just a few wild and crazy times. <laughs> That's right. So, But another thing is, like, the whole live thing, it it seems like we we on Twitter and Reddit and YouTube and all that, we move so quick. Oh yeah, that writers just don't have enough time to be like, "Hey, that was funny." By the time you make it to Saturday, yeah, a news, news. Ar- a news article on Monday can already be gone and passed. And then you're like, "Come on, that's yesterday's news. That's last week's news. What are you still talking about it today? You gotta, you gotta get with the times. This stuff was being trending an hour ago, and you gotta talk about it right now." If I were a writer on SNL, I could pitch you three skits right now that will be as funny this Saturday as they will be next Saturday. I know, but that's like the entire basis of the show is to comment on no, actual like, events. No, like as that we are speak, I can pitch you three skits right well, now. I, th- I, I have think three you know what, you're on hired. the docket. I'm ready. I think what I think what Nick <laughs> is also saying is that's part of the crux of the problem of what you're talking about is everything is so based off of what's currently happening yes. that no that these skits don't have a really long like shelf life period a long shelf life like you can go back and listen to uh or watch the more cowbell uh skit 
today and it's still hilarious even though you don't know who the fuck the blue oyster cult is right like well i do but uh (laughs) and it's funny because the situation is what's funny it's not it's not that they're talking about something that's quote-unquote funny or like topical it's because the situation and what they wrote is what's funny yeah or you go back to like celebrity jeopardy it's like you might not know who sean connery is but still the rest in peace uh but still the uh the situation of him like misreading and getting into arguments (laughs) with alex trebek is absolutely hilarious yeah yeah, rest in peace, yeah, no, that makes Alex it, Trebek that makes, as well. They both oh, yeah. passed away. Wow. Oof. 2020 was rough. Yeah. Yeah. On, it Kind of to get to your point, Nick, that seems like it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeez, what, a year. what was your second point again, Nick? Was that no, it's was all moving that. too fast? Yeah. I would argue that, that we're making the same points. Uh, I think that, so. Mm-hmm. That SNL, just in the way that it operates nowadays... It's just not working. And I mean, some people still find it funny and some people still find the time to sit down and turn on NBC on Saturday night and to watch Saturday Night Live. But honestly, I don't go out of my way unless I hear something interesting is happening. Like uh, I would have watched the Adam Sandler host episode uh, just because that I think would have been funny. Uh, But I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch it. I didn't care because I didn't know about it in time. And also because I didn't know it was on. Yeah, I figured I'd watch it later on YouTube. Honestly, mm-hmm. at this point, it seems like it seems like SNL tries to be a live show that ends up getting edited down into individual YouTube skits. And yep. that is that is exactly true. So what is I'm going to say looking to the future, the three of us brainstorming here, what could, if anything, save SNL? Uh, That's my people big question. And bring, get get back your old big names uh, as a refresher to bring people back in to uh, use the nostalgia factor. And then from there, go through and try and find uh, new faces in the game sponsored by these. Uh, sorry, I've put a lot of thought into this. Go ahead. And use, uh, use the recommendations of these people that have been on the, sh- on the show in the past. Yeah. Because obviously the, people, obviously the people that are currently there don't know what they're doing. Do we stick to cable TV, though? Do we make it? Uh, NBC, no. that's where Hell I'm no. at too. Um, I mean, at this point, we have to expect that shows like SNL are going to die out with these TV networks that kind of are going unused by most people. Um, but the thing is, it's such a universal formula. Right. It's such a universal formula that you can take that anywhere. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like, instead of making these... Uh, instead of making these like one live thing that happens on cable network, have it where it's individual YouTube skits. Or you if go. you still want to keep the live aspect, bring it over to the digital age where you could use something like YouTube Live or Twitch. And that is my like idea, can... dude. I would love it if we had an SNL with a live chat integration. SNL, where it's like Ooh, the S- SNL cast can yes. interact. Oh, my God. That would be so good. SNL on Twitch is something that I would tune in for every week. Um, But, I mean, there's no difference between that and cable TV, except that I just don't use cable TV. Uh, But I think that it could be as simple as moving it to a place that's more uh, widely accepted by the new generation, like Twitch. Or, I mean, if you want to, like, go into it, you you could do streaming on 
I mean, here was here's what, what we're getting at is live streaming is what yeah. the next step would be. Would NBC yeah. allow that? Could NBC make money off of that? I don't know. That's up to the executives to figure out. That's not on us. But if they want to see it continue and they want to see it continue to be successful, streaming has to be the next step, right? Yeah. Also, yeah. Yeah. I would argue the problem is the executives you, are just clinging on to that last little last strand little, of cable yeah, access. Yeah, dime TV. that they're getting out of cable. But I mean, moving forward, you still can make money off Twitch. People do it every day. Um, oh yeah. As much money as they're making now, I don't know because I don't know all of those nickels and dimes. But it, I would also say it's very, it's it's very nickel and dimey. Yeah. <laughs> I would also say you have to find players the not ready for primetime players who want skin in the game. They want to write the skits. They want to be a part of the creating aspect of it. They don't just take back seats and let the writers do it for them. I mean, keep writers on, but you have to find people who also want to be in the writing room when it's happening and want to be involved in the skits yeah. that they're making and the characters that they're playing or else they're going to come off as dry. I mean, in a weird way, we kind of already seeing a new movement of a new version of SNL when it comes to something like live streaming. Yeah. You have people, you have like, especially now we have teams of live streamers who continuously get together, who have previous relationships that you know, that while they're being a version of themselves, that's still a character. And it's all about the ability to improv with their other, the other characters and interact with chat at the same time. And it's not so directly based off of a writing room skits, but it's based off of that being able, that ability to improv directly on the spot yeah, uh, with their other quote unquote cast members and the audience. And that would be mm -hmm. my next suggestion would be move it to Twitch, make it so that the uh, players are involved in the writing process and make it so that the players have very like distinct very uh well-practiced improv skills um so that when the cue cards are taken away because in my version of snl there are no cue cards when the cue cards are taken away if the skit goes sideways you can bring it back around and still finish it out because half of the fun of snl was watching these creative minds work in front of us instead mm -hmm. of just watching their zombie minds read off the cue card like Watching them get their way out of situations like the cowbell breaking yeah. halfway through the skit or uh, Jimmy Fallon not being able to stop laughing. So the other characters have to pick up and carry him the rest of the skit. Those were funny. And those were some of the reasons why, like, I got involved in theater originally um, was because there was this outlet of improv that came along with it and that creative process. But that's not there in this, like, main powerhouse of improv comedy anymore yeah and honestly like the next version of snl whatever that looks like is going to look completely different from what we currently envision snl as just out of the necessity of how entertainment and media has evolved over the last 10 years right hmm. so kind of in closing um i want snl to succeed i want them yeah to keep going i want snl to go on until like at least i die i think it's funny i think some of the stuff they do is really funny but mm -hmm. it's super clear from a microscopic level i consider us a microscopic level in comparison to the giant shark that is snl 
it's clear that it's sick. It's dying. It's not doing well. And it changes need to be made. This is my call for help to the public, to the people who write SNL. Make those changes. Save yourself. Don't just let it become nothing because SNL has had its downs, but it's also had its ups. And I'm hoping that this is just another one of the downs. So that's what I got. That's what I want to talk about this week. Uh, the Adam Sandler skit kind of, or the Adam Sandler episode kind of had it on the brain. Um, yeah, we, we didn't even we didn't even talk about all the movie spinoffs. Oh yeah, no, that could be its own little episode. Maybe I'll do that as my quickness oh. next week. Uh, that's going to need more than a quickness. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, you got so many, but uh, yeah, just moving forward. If you got time on Saturday night let's just give those ratings a little boost go watch snl see what you think if you find something you like we have a number of social medias get in contact with us tell us what you liked tell us what you didn't like more Mm -hmm. importantly uh tell us what you would change about snl i'd love to read what uh your guys's ideas are out there um all of our social medias can be found on our website entertainthis.net you can check that out anything else in closing boys Mm -mm. now what time is snl on Nowadays, I, I think it's eleven thirty time slot still. Uh, sorry, I go to bed. I believe it's also this. on Saturdays. Oh, it's a Saturday and it's a night I think show. So. It's live. Are you Are you with us now? Oh, yeah, Saturday night. Yeah, no, I'm still mm-hmm. not going to watch it. It's too late. Yeah, you're a grandfather, Yo, so man. you'll make your way. Hey, I hope you guys have a great <laughs> New Year. I hope your guys' New Year all was set out with a bang. Um, and come next week, we will. Uh, be here as nick uh talks to us about something close to his heart and all of our hearts uh we'll see a return to quick this next week uh we didn't have anyone to do a quick this this week because the three of us hosted the year in review so uh welcome to season two quick this starting next episode uh thank you guys for listening we'll see you next friday goodbye goodbye bye 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 This episode of Entertain This was written by Alex Steele, with additional commentary from Michael Savoya and Nick Mustakangas. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.